Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue our study of the second book of Kings with chapter 12. <coughs> that is Malachim Bet, Perak Yud Bet. And we are about to read of the reign of Yehoash. Yehoash was the uh, was spirited and snuck out of the royal house when he was an infant in order to save him from the murderous rage of Atalia who uh, usurped the kingdom. Now we read in the end of the last chapter how Yehoash was re- the the Davidic line was restored to the crown uh, when Yehoash was uh, uh, inaugurated as king at, or coronated as king at the age of seven, and Atalia was uh, removed from the scene. Now we are about to read of his reign, and I w- want to point out in the beginning of this chapter this is going to be a pretty short version of the. Kingship of Yehoash. In Divrei Hayamim, in the book of Chronicles, there's much, much more detail. And it's almost impossible to understand the story of Yehoash without the details that are filled in in the book of Chronicles. However, I, I'm going to try to stay away from bringing in all of the events of Chronicles for a reason. Because for some reason, the writer of the book of Kings chose to summarize Yehoash's kingdom in this way, in a very short up and down kind of method, which you'll understand in a moment as we read it. And I think there's a reason why it was written that way, and I want us, I want, I want myself, and I want those that are learning and studying with me to get that sense, without filling in all the details, to get the sense of the point that the writer of Melachim is trying to make. So, Ben Sheva Shonim Yehoash B'Molcho, that's the first verse. Yehoash was seven years old when he became king. Bishnas Shevali Yehu, and that happened to be in the seventh year of Yehu, uh, who we read about uh, plenty in the past few chapters. But it was in his seventh year, because remember the verses constantly go back and forth how to match up the Judean kings with the Israelite kings. Malach Yehoash, that's when Yehoash became king in the seventh year of Yehu's reign. Arboim Shana Malach Bishalayim. He ruled, excuse me, a total of 40 years, Vishem Imo, and his mother's name. And often we find that the queen mother is mentioned by name, Tzivyami Be'er Sheva. Her name was Tzivya from Be'er Sheva. <coughs> okay. Vayas Yehoash Hayashar Be'enei Adonai Kol Yomav. And Yehoash did what was proper in the eyes of God all of his days. Now, there's a etnachta here, which is like a comma, all of his days. So get the sense that he was a righteous king. But then it throws in Asher Horahu Yehoyada HaKohen. As Yehoyada the Kohen, the priest, had taught him. Now we know from Divrei Hayamim, and I'm going to break my promise here and bring details, that Yehoash wasn't such uh, a great king his entire life. And in the middle of his life, he took a turn for the worst, which leads many of the commentaries to say that this verse is really hinting Yehoash did what was proper as long as Yehoyada the Kohen was teaching him, right? Even though that's not the simple meaning of the verse, but to say that Yehoash, as long as he was under the guidance of Yehoyada the Kohen, Yehoash did what was proper. Um, but here, the, the simple meaning of the verse would lead one to believe that Yehoash was uh, faithful to God throughout his entire career. But despite the fact that he uh, was, did what was yashar bein Hashem, what was proper in the eyes of God. He did not take away the bamot. The uh, bamot are the altars, 
right, that were outside of the temple that were, are prohibited by the Torah uh, because the Torah says we're only allowed to bring sacrifices in the temple itself and altars to bring sacrifices should not be anywhere else. He did not remove them. That during his reign, the people were still bringing sacrifices and incense upon the Bamot, upon these altars. So he wasn't perfect, right? There was a problem. Now remember, Yehoash was one who was raised within the temple. If anything, you would imagine that he would be the person who would have special reverence for the temple, having been raised in the temple and, and being raised by the high priest himself. But he still allowed the people to be mizabeach, to bring sacrifices there. So this is the only point in this chapter where the, the, the Navi specifically points out what Yehoash's flaw was. His respect to the temple wasn't quite what you would think it should have been. Vayomer, interestingly, then in the next few verses, we're going to see how he did respect the temple, but with this point always in the background, not quite as much as he should have. Vayomer Yehoash says to the priests, Kol kesef all of the, the money that is uh, brought for holy purposes to the temple, Ashayuva Beit Adonai, kesef over, the money which um, uh, uh, comes to be paid, right, uh, to the temple uh, treasury. Each kesef nafshos arko, each person brings the money which is for the value of his soul. This is a reference to um, the erechen, right, the, when a person says, I'll bring the value of myself or the value of such and such a person, the Torah describes, you know, how, how, how to evaluate uh, how much money that person owes to the temple, or any money which any person just decides to donate on their own, to bring to, to God. So he set up the system. He said, The priests themselves should take this money. Each person should take it from the person who he recognizes, who he knows. In other words, instead of having a system where everyone brings the money to the temple and then a temple treasury decides how to make this work, each priest should go and raise these funds and collect these funds from those people that he knows. And they will use these funds to uh, strengthen the uh, maintenance and, uh, of, the, of the house, of the temple itself. Everywhere where they found finds to be something that requires fixing. So this is a very decentralized system that Yehoash puts into place, a system that is ripe for corruption, which we will see in a minute becomes the problem. Now, uh, the question is why he would set a system up like this, and some and one interesting explanation that, that I've seen passed around is the idea that if people collect money from those that they, they know, they're more likely to raise more money. That's a way of raising more funds. You know, When you want to raise money in a community, you send out people that are well-known, that are well-liked. You send them out to talk to their friends you know, and to uh, uh, build up acquaintances and raise funds that way. So that's, that would be part of his thought process. So, But then it came to be at the 23rd year of Yehoash's reign, 
The Kohanim were not involved in fixing the house. These funds were not being used in order to fix the house. Now, was it because they weren't diligent in raising the funds in the first place? Was it because they were taking funds and keeping it for themselves? It's not written clearly, but one clearly sees that Yehoash assumed that this was because of corruption and may, of course, have been the case because such a system is definitely ripe for corruption. So, so the king Yehoash calls to Yehoyada the Kohen, Yehoyada meaning the one who had raised him, the high priest, <coughs> and to all of the Kohanim and the other priests. Why are you not fixing up the house? One definitely senses some suspicion here. Right? Why are you fixing us? What are you doing with all that money? Viata, you know what? Now, no longer let's do this. Stop raising money from the people that you know. Right? I rather, I want the money to go to the Beda Kabayat. Here he's even more clearly uh, leveling an accusation at the priests, saying, because I want the money to go to the Beda Kabayat. So in other words, now when you are taking it from your friends, the money is not going to the Barakabayas, but rather it seems to be going into your pockets. Right? So Vayosu Hakonim, the Kohanim immediately agreed, Levilti Kichat Kesef Me'esam, not to take money from the people any longer, Ulvilti Chazek at Barakabayas, and to no longer be responsible for fixing the house, fixing the temple. So the Kohanim agreed. Um, uh, it's very possible that they agreed because. Not everyone was corrupt. Some people were corrupt. And the Kohanim as a group realized that this system should not go on. The system of purchasing favors and keeping money for themselves, etc. is not a good system. So what did Yehoyada the Kohen, the, the high priest, did? He took a big box. And he dug a hole in, in, its, in, the, in the opening to the box, like in the lid and the cover of the box. This very much reminds us of a, of a charity box of today where it's a slot to put coins in. And he put it right next to the altar, at the right side, which is the first place where the side where someone approaches the altar when one comes into the temple. And the priests put uh, guardians of the threshold, people that guard the doors of the Beis Hamikdash, were placed there. So, right? Um, and that's where uh, uh, the, the Kohanim placed the, all of the money that was brought into the temple. So it was in a public place, so there's minimal suspicion for corruption. If someone wanted to steal, it would be very difficult to do it without getting caught. It's guarded, it's in a public place, and the money is put in safekeeping into this box. And the, what did the system do? And when they saw that there was a lot of money in the box and it was full, and the king's treasurer um, uh, or the sofer here is really the scribe, but presumably the purpose of the scribe is to account for the money, to write down how much money was there. And the high priest, so you have several officials, again, to reduce corruption. Again, this shows that Yehoash was very concerned about corruption. And they would um, uh, gather the money together and count it up, as a kesef, 
the money that was found in the temple. And then what did they do? And the money that had been counted out and weighed out to make sure they had a certain, they knew exactly how much money there was, they would give it. They would pay it to the workers. The workers that were appointed to fix the temple of God. And they would expend this money to uh, pay the um, the carpenters and the builders who would be the ones who were fixing and building the house of God. And to those that uh, um, uh, lay out the walls or the fences and the stone cutters and to buy new wood and to buy uh, quarried uh, cut stones to, to fix up, to strengthen the places of the house of God which had been broken down. And everything that needed to be spent on the house of God to make it strong. However, um, uh, none of these bowls uh, were, were used, none of these, the silver was used to make uh, bowls and uh, um, snuffers are things that are used to put out flames um, uh, uh, and, and trumpets. Kol zahav, or, or any vessel of gold, or any vessel made of silver, none of that was used uh, uh, by this money that was brought. Rather, it was used, this money was used to pay the workers so they can go ahead and build the house of God and fix it. And um, they did not have to, uh, the money that was uh, uh, given to the workers, they didn't have to follow after them to make sure, right, uh, you know, to make sure that it was being distributed properly to all the workers. Because the, those that were distributing and paying the workers were doing it in a trustworthy manner. However, money that was brought as uh, uh, to pay for karbanot, to pay for sacrifices, uh, uh, sin offerings, etc., that was not brought to the house of God, in other words, and put into the temple, but that money was brought to the Kohanim, to the priests themselves. So this was the system that he set in place, and it would seem that uh, this is Yehoash at his best, right? This was him setting into place a system for fixing up the house of God, but there was one tiny little reminder before that telling us that he wasn't so great. The guy who was so concerned about fixing up the house of God was not concerned about the fact that there was bamot, that there was um, you know, extraneous places of worship where people were doing sacrifices against the laws of the Torah. But that's the only hint so far that Yeho- there was anything wrong with Yehoash. But we see that he set into place this wonderful system, this honest system, and... So far, so good. It sounds like Yehoash is on the right track. It sounds like things are going well. The temple is being fixed. And this is where we're going to stop with Yehoash's career on the up. Everything looking cool. Yehoash looking like, like a good guy. So we're going to stop here for now. Thank you so much for studying the first half of chapter 12 together. Looking forward to studying the second half. And the rest, of course, of this wonderful book of Kings. Have a wonderful day.